Recently, we were talking about the Bennington Triangle. Yes. And the theory that Bigfoot was somehow involved in the strange (laughs) disappearances within the triangle. Yes. So we got a call from his lawyer (laughs) (laughs) demanding an apology. Oh, no. Is this our first lawsuit? (laughs) (laughs) No, the the reason I bring this up was because, you know, other than the whole Bigfoot does exist, you know, does exist or doesn't exist question. I never really thought about Bigfoot being involved in the disappearance of somebody or, you know, murder or anything, right? Yeah. I mean, I, I guess it makes sense because, you know, any animal, creature, humanoid, whatever, might kill someone that is perceived as a threat, right? So it's not unimaginable that this creature, whatever you want to call him, would kill somebody. But I just thought it was funny that we were just talking about that in an episode and then we ran across that Hulu show, Sasquatch. Yeah. (laughs) Which, I don't know. That was kind of weird to me. It was out there. I don't want to, like, discredit anyone's. Yeah. It just was dragging along and making him sound like a bad, violent creature. Yeah. Yeah, that was one thing. I don't. Yeah, it could have been. So, I think it was, like, three hours or something like that. We only watched the first hour. I think I had enough after that. Just because it kind of, like you said, it kind of dragged on. That was only an hour? (laughs) Yeah, we only saw the first hour. (laughs) Anyway, I thought that was kind of funny. Yeah, the show wasn't for me, so. No, but it may be for some people. But it it may also be offensive to Bigfoot. Yes, exactly. He didn't have a chance to defend himself unless that was in in a later episode. (laughs) (laughs) Like the finale is just them interviewing. (laughs) (laughs) Or the court battle. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Why would he need an apology from us? We were pretty nice about him. I know. I'm just kidding. Well, we were, Yeah, we were nice. I assume so. <laughs> but we won't get into that again. We were saying we'd invite him over. Yes, yes. We accepted him. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, so what, what were you talking about tonight? Tonight, I was going to talk about the eyeball killer, a.k.a. the Dallas Slasher so or he... the Dallas Ripper. Oh, so he has multiple names. Yes. So he actually kills eyeballs? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just eyeballs. That's it. Okay. <laughs> um, I don't know if you could uh, guess where this takes place by the name. Uh, Texas? <laughs> We're in Texas again? Yeah. <laughs> Texas has crazy people in it? No. Oh. Uh, I don't believe it. That's Florida. <laughs> we're, so we're bashing these states again, right? <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> Well, anyway. <laughs> um, anyway, so the eyeball killer. Yes. The eyeball killer was a serial killer who killed at least three m- women in the 1990s. A man named Charles Albright was convicted of one of the murders, but evidence against him was slim, which made some believe that he was wrongly convicted. The first victim was Mary Pratt. She was 33 and shot in the back of the head. She was killed on December 13, 1990. When the autopsy was performed, it was discovered that the eyes had been skillfully removed from their sockets. The mutilation was kept out of the media and the case went cold. 
On February 10th, the following year, another victim was found dead and mutilated the same way. The victim's name was Susan Peterson. She was 27 and shot three times. The media dubbed the killer the Dallas Ripper. Now, my question is why the media always has nicknames for the serial killers. I think it's probably for sensationalism. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. So two things on that. Probably the most famous one, I don't know if it was the first one, but the most famous one was Jack the Ripper. Yeah. There was a letter, the boss letter was the letter that was sent to the news media that was allegedly from him. You know, they, they couldn't really verify that, but, but he named himself. The interesting thing was, though, that the name was actually what propelled the longevity of the story. Yeah. Meaning that it might have just been a forgotten set of murders if it wasn't for the name Jack the Ripper, yeah. which is kind of odd. So it's like it's just catchy so people remember. Yeah, or to catch people's attention when they're reading the paper. Well, yeah. remember newspapers? <laughs> <laughs> uh, kind of like the Night Stalker. Yeah, that was, so that was the other one. I was uh, recently watching a show on the Night Stalker, and it was during the trial. I was wondering why there was the Night Stalker and the original Night Stalker, and I was wondering if he was pissed off that somebody was sharing a name with him. I mean, you think about how vain they are, right? Yeah. I mean, it seems like they would have to piss him off. That, I, yeah. That all of a sudden he's... He's just the Night Stalker, and then there's this other guy who is the original Night Stalker. I wonder if, has anyone ever asked them that question? I don't know. I, yeah, I would love to hear their their take on, or even some of these. Yeah, I don't wonder if there's some who don't like their name. Well, then that's where you got to write letters in the media. Yeah, yeah, I guess. And tell them what your name is. <laughs> Isn't that what the Zodiac Killer did, or do they make up their name? I don't know if it was for, from... He, made, he gave himself his name or was based on the cryptic messages that he sent? You know, when I first heard Zodiac Killer, I thought they like killed people with like certain Zodiac signs. Yeah. It, is, it is kind of interesting how you know, they sensationalize these killers yeah. and give them these names that... Well, what happened with Ted Bundy? Did they just give up at that point? That's a good question. I wonder if he was upset that he didn't get a name. But again, he could have given himself a name. Yeah. Well, my other question was, were there really that many killers that they had have nicknames for them? No, I, again, I think it was just media yeah. putting on something to it, grab people's attention. Oh, the other thing that the about the the trial of Ramirez was the, what do you, what do you call it, uh, groupies. The women dressing in goth clothing and stuff and, and going to the trial and just fawning over this guy. And I never really understood this. You know, what they do, what these serial killers do to people. And then, I don't know, that do they think he's innocent or do, are they just fascinated with these bad boys or something like that? That's like extreme bad boy. <laughs> yeah, I don't know, but it's just bizarre to me. I mean, you see that a lot, right? Yeah, it it is confusing to me. I mean, oh, voice crack there. <laughs> uh, I mean, it is, I don't because didn't he get married in prison? Yeah, you hear that a lot too, these, these guys, which I don't understand how that's allowed. Human rights, I guess, I don't know. They they killed countless people and then they're allowed to, well, we won't get into that. That's, that's Well, I just, <laughs> it's not even like rights, it's just bizarre to me. Like, oh, I think it's right. I mean, how if you're in prison for murdering a bunch of people, how how should you have the right to marry somebody? Well, I mean, like, Without getting too deep into 
you know, them having the right or not to marry someone. Or, I mean, it's mean just it's- like bizarre as in, you know, why, what would be the point of getting married? Do you even really get any benefits added? Bizarre that the person would want to marry them or just bizarre that what's the point? Well, both. For them, I think it's a control thing, right? Yeah, because you're right. They're in prison for life. They might be on death row or whatever. Yeah. And they're manipulating this person. Well, I don't exactly know. Maybe they do. Maybe they actually love them. What's that? No, I think it's manipulation. Yeah, I do too. I think they're, they see somebody who's an easy target because they have the this fascination with, again, these bad boys or whatever. Or for some reason, they think they're innocent. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I never really paid attention to these people who interact with these serial killers in prison. It'd be interesting to interview someone. (laughs) Yeah. So anyway, the eyeball maniac, eyeball killer, uh, what was it, the Texas? Dallas Ripper. Dallas Ripper. Who gave him, um, put you on the spot here, did he give himself any of these names or? I think it was all the media. Okay. So even though there were increased patrols in the area where the killer was active, a third victim, Shirley Williams, was found on March 18th. She was 41 and shot in the head and face. Now, that's a little bit confusing because it's like the same place, but I'm assuming. If he was taking their eyeballs, it's weird he would shoot her in the face. Yeah, that's, that is confusing. Yeah. So that this was the third one? Yes. And all of them had their eyeballs removed? Yes. Okay. So the killer removed the eyes, but this time it was a little different from the previous two. Williams had facial bruises and a broken nose as though she had been punched. The eyes weren't removed with the same precision as the previous victims. The face was slashed and the tip of the X-Acto knife was found in the eye socket. Ouch. I was going to say, I'm assuming maybe she was, was like self-defense. Maybe that why that's why it wasn't like... The same precision, but I think yeah, she was, was dead when the eyeballs were. If you wonder if he got interrupted or you know why it was so different from the others, or was it a copycat? I wouldn't be surprised if it was a copycat. Ballistic comparison of the bullets found in the body were matched to the one found in Mary Pratt's, which indicated that the same weapon was used to kill both. There was also a pubic hair from a Caucasian male found on William's body. Right. So, so I'm, I'm having trouble keeping track of the three victims. So Mary was the first victim. So Mary. So Mary and Williams, Shirley Williams. Had the same gun used? Yes. Okay. And Williams was the third victim. Okay. And that's whose body the pubic hair was found on. Yeah. So a little bit of background on... Charles Albright, which I'm going to get back in the conversation of how exhausting that the killers have more information on them, not even just in the media, but in general than the victims do. Yeah. So Charles Albright was born in Amarillo, Texas on August 10th, 1933. As an infant, he was adopted by Fred and Del Albright. When his aunt came around, she would give him dolls and make him wear dresses. Wait, what? Why Why was the aunt giving him dolls and making him wear dresses? Maybe she wanted him to be a girl. Okay, so suspicious activity number one. Yes. That might have messed him up. Okay. 
His mother was a school teacher that was very strict and overprotective and pushed him in his education, allowing him to skip two grades. Now, my prediction is that it was probably preschool and kindergarten that he skipped. <laughs> <laughs> but those grades were not identified as which okay. ones. <laughs> he was a teenager when he got his first gun, and he made a pastime of shooting small animals such as squirrels and rabbits. He enjoyed stuffing them and wanted to become a taxidermist. His mother encouraged him and even helped him stuff the animals. She couldn't afford the glass eyes used by professional taxidermists. Instead, she let him use buttons. Psychologists later theorized that being forbidden from using eyes played a part in forming Albright's criminal pathology. Well, first, go back to the... So the animal thing is pretty common with serial killers, right? Yes. I've never heard the taxidermy thing before, but it would be a pretty brilliant way to hide the fact that you have this bizarre fascination with killing animals. Yes. Even though that killing animals for taxidermy is still kind of bizarre, but it would kind of, oh yeah, I just like taxidermy, so. And it, oh, go ahead. No, go ahead. I was going to say it makes sense too with the precision of taking the eyeballs out. Yeah. Because I imagine that he, you have. That he had practice. Yeah. But how did the buttons mess him up? I mean, seeing these stuffed animals with button eyes just <laughs> pushed him over the edge or? Maybe they thought that because they weren't realistic looking. Hmm. Okay. I don't know. That's confusing to me. Yeah. Again, there wasn't much more reasoning as to why they thought that. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. My my guess would be it's just because it's not realistic enough. Maybe it was like a perfectionism thing. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. I could understand that. Yeah. Yeah. But that's only my guess. I am not a uh, psychologist. psychologist. <laughs> at the age of 13, he was convicted of aggravated assault. At 17, he was found guilty of theft for stealing some handguns and $380 in cash and served six months in prison. After his release, he enrolled in the Arkansas State Teachers College, majoring in pre-medical studies. He was an active student, excelling in subjects he enjoyed, learning a few languages, and being a member of several clubs. So it is interesting that he does have pre-med. Yeah, n- another clue of how he might have gained his precision of removing eyeballs. Yeah. Although I don't think in uh, pre-med school, correct me if I'm wrong, they oh, uh, yeah, teach true. you how Maybe to remove eyeballs. Yeah, probably not. But precision, yes. Well, I, I don't know if they're necessarily teaching you how to remove eyeballs, but I don't know, in pre-med, do they, are they at the point where they're dealing with cadavers and stuff? Well, it's interesting, this is a... What? <laughs> well, it's just interesting that you say, like, oh, is it the point where they work on cadavers and stuff? Because, you know, working on that before you work with, you know, like, in a hospital. But I feel like for what I want to do, it's backwards. <laughs> Well, no, it's, you still have to do the same thing, right? Cadavers to live people and then back to, to dead people. Yeah, forensic pathologist, which is basically a coroner for people who are concerned. <laughs> <laughs> he was an active thief and held a number of odd jobs, including bullfighter. <laughs> that, that threw me for a loop for a second there, but I guess we are talking about Texas, right? But what do they do? <laughs> How is that a job? Well, I rodeos, I guess. I don't know. I well, even even that a bullfighter. I could say a rodeo, whatever. Yeah. But I didn't know they had bullfighters anywhere but South America, Mexico, or whatever. Yeah. A baseball bat manufacturer, carpenter, and a hairstylist. 
During his a first hairstylist? <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. Wow, he had a really wide variety of jobs. Yeah, but maybe it helped him out. Yeah. He had a <laughs> bunch of different skills. Yes. Yeah. Make baseball bats and fight bulls. And do their hair. Yeah. <laughs> During his first year, he broke into a girl's dorm to steal some nude photos. In a notable incident, he cut out the eyes of photos of a friend's ex and pasted them onto photos of another girl and onto his walls. That's not weird. It's creepy. Just a little bit. Oh, just a little. <laughs> Imagine walking into somebody's room and they invite you over and you see these pictures on the wall with the eyeballs replaced with eyeballs from another picture. You know, there are many red flags to look out for when you walk into someone's room, but that'd be the one that I'd like bolt. Like, no questions asked. <laughs> what are some of the other red flags? <laughs> well, they're mostly pertaining to men. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Do you check the refrigerator to see if there's any, in the freezer to see if there's any body parts in it? No, I, I check the bathroom to make sure they're not using three-in-one shampoo. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> explain yourself. What do you mean explain myself? I'm sure anyone could back me up on that. <laughs> okay, so this isn't just about whether they're, well, do you consider... Psychotic. They, they might be psychotic. <laughs> you have to have okay, wow. High shampoo standards. and conditioner. <laughs> Three in one is not going to cut it. And body wash. Okay. Anything else? <laughs> and if they don't have their toothbrush in like a holder or a drawer, it's just sitting on the counter. Ooh. Oh, that's <laughs> gross. People do it. Seriously? Yeah. Oh my God. Okay. Ugh. Yeah. That creeps me out. <laughs> that creeps me <laughs> Yeah, okay. <laughs> At 19, he manipulated a girl named Betty Nestor into giving him keys to the entire college. In 1954, at 20, he married her just after Christmas. After breaking in and stealing equipment, he was expelled. Albright and Nestor had a daughter together, but the domestic life didn't change him. In 1975, he and Nestor separated, but didn't officially divorce until 1987. So the, the girl he married gave him the keys Yes. to the... He manipulated her into... What, what place is this that she has keys to the entire place? Well, that's what I'm wondering. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to do a, a, a girl, Gilmore Girls reference here where the guy, Logan, is able to sneak into the cafeteria in the middle of the night because he has a set of keys. But his family is wealthy and donates a lot to the college. Yeah, but it still only implies he, he was able to get into a building, not the entire college. Well, I guess if Unless I want it's all to, the same key. Maybe it's like a master key. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, maybe. Okay. Yeah, it's weird that somebody would readily be able to get access to the entire college. Over the years, he was often arrested for theft, forgery, and following the death of his adopted mother and a visit to his birth mother in 1981, he was also arrested for a child molestation. In 1986, his father passed and he inherited almost $100,000. The same year, he moved in with a woman named Dixie Austin, whom he stayed with for the rest of his free life. Albright first came to the attention of the police when a woman tipped the police off about him saying he and Mary Pratt had been acquainted and that he was known to have an obsession with knives and eyes. That's a bizarre thing to say. Well, it's ran yeah, it's random. Random that he yeah he mentions that that person and then his obsession with knives and yeah. eyes. Yeah. <laughs> After a number of prostitutes reported he had assaulted them, police were able to get a search warrant for his home. 
In addition to an SNW44 Magnum revolver and several X-Acto knives, they also found a red condom, the same color of condom found on Shirley Williams' crime scene. There were also books about serial killers and Nazi literature. And according to one source, several dolls with their eyes removed were found. That's not weird. Not at all. There's another clue if you go to some guy's apartment and he has dolls with no eyes. Well, if he just has dolls in general. <laughs> <laughs> Not even just with no eyes. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if uh, their book collection contains serial killers and Nazi literature. Yeah. That, Goodbye. That's a given, right? Yeah. Despite Albright's wife, who up until then had been unaware of her husband's criminal past, claiming he had been home every night, he was still arrested. This was his actual wife. He was living with somebody else, but this was his wife. Yeah. Supposedly, she was covering up for him. Well, she claimed that she was unaware. Unaware of his activities or unaware? I thought you said that she said he was home at those times. And it said up until then, up until the police contacting her had been unaware of her husband's criminal past. She had claimed he had been home every night. Right. So she claimed he was home at the time the murders took place. Yeah. Okay. Which I guess claiming is kind of a word of... They don't really believe her. Right. And that's why I'm wondering, well, is she covering up for him? And then if that's the case, why would she be doing that? Maybe he snuck out. Yeah. I don't know. Unfortunately, the gun found in his house turned out to not be a match to the one the eyeball killer used in the killings of Pratt and Williams. So that was the first victim and the third victim. All right. So no evidence so far. There were no bloody clothes found, but there were socks and underwear soaking in bleach. Albright's wife provided garage receipts proving their car had not been available during the first two murders. Hair and fibers were found on his blanket and inside the vacuum that could link him to the murders. The vacuum? Yes. In the vacuum, there were hairs that were consistent with those of Shirley Williams, though there weren't enough to perform DNA analysis with the technology at the time. I I wonder if they did it now, if they still had the evidence, if they did it now. You would think that they would still have the evidence. Really? From that long ago? Yeah. Well, this is 90s, right? Yeah. So they keep the evidence even if the case Because he's was... still alive, right? I believe so. Yeah. So there's always a chance that he could appeal his case or something. That's true. Samples taken of Albright's own hair were matched to the hair found on William's body, but the sample couldn't be used to link him to it uniquely. So it's all circumstantial evidence at this time. Mm -hmm. Albright was charged with the three eyeball killer murders, along with an unsolved 1988 murder of Rhonda Bowie. Bowie was a sex worker who was stabbed to death, but her eyes were not removed like the previous victims. That was before the three victims? Yes. 88, right? Yeah. That could have been like his first, because it was different ML, right? Yeah. He stabbed her versus shooting her. Yeah. So on December 2nd, 1991, the trial began. The prosecution's case began falling apart when a yellow raincoat that Shirley Williams had been wearing when she was killed had been thrown away from evidence. A sex worker who earlier claimed that Albright had attacked her withdrew her story, claiming that she had been coerced by police to make it up, and Albright's neighbor supported the claim that his car had been unavailable. How did the neighbor know? Yeah. Unless he was asking to borrow their car. The raincoat's bizarre. Yeah, I don't... That was the only thing out of evidence that was missing? Mm-hmm. It was thrown away from evidence. 
That's bizarre. The case started to rely heavily on the hair evidence which linked Albright to three murders. The same evidence had linked him to the murder of Rhonda Bowie, but he was cleared of it since he had an alibi for it. Yeah, it's just really bizarre how they're able, able to even have this case. Well, how did it link him to the murder, but he had an alibi? When it was someone like sprinkling his hair yeah. on all these cases? Yeah, I mean, this just gets weirder and weirder. Yeah. He ended up being convicted of killing Shirley Williams and was sentenced to life in prison. Defense tried to appeal, citing the lack of evidence, but it was overruled. Official sources say Albright still has a fascination with the human eye and takes great interest in new stories where eyes have been cut or gouged out. Just amazed that he, he was convicted on that evidence. But it was only on one. Well, that's all it takes, though, right? But it, it conveniently was the one where the pubic hair was found. I think the condom and also her jacket went missing. Obviously, like you said, from his past... It does seem like he's a good fit for the, the murders, but you still think they would have to prove. Yeah. Right. I'm amazed he hasn't gotten out on appeal. Well, maybe not. Maybe that's the way the system is. Once, once you're in, it's hard to... Well, especially if you're uh, in for murder. Yeah. I'd be curious, though, yeah, if the evidence is still there. You know, nowadays they could prove or disprove. Yeah. It'd be interesting to know. To me, it's just like, it's always so weird to think... I mean, it's sad, but it's just so weird to think that the only people who will actually know who did it is the murderer themselves and the victim. And of course, unfortunately, the victim can't talk. Yeah. So, okay, well, anyways, that was it on my messed up story. Yes, that was that was messed up. Um, but And going back, I don't know if we, we were talking about how the serial killers get all the attention. Yes. I do like how with Ted Bundy, more recently, people have been trying to make the victims be remembered more than him being remembered. Oh, Uh, that's good. I didn't realize that. Yeah. uh, I have seen like whenever there's a new show, because for some reason, there's been so many shows about Ted Bundy and they're all about the same thing. There's like nothing new in them. Right. But I have seen like on social media, people posting pictures of the victims and saying, you know, we should be remembering them, not him. Stop, like, people are, like, romanticizing him. Um, Yeah, the same with, yeah, like I was saying with Ramirez, that these people, yeah, they're just romanticizing the whole thing. I don't get it at all. I don't know, because I hear, like, oh, he's such, like, a charming guy, and it's, like, that's how they manipulate people. But, yeah, yeah, I have uh, noticed that they've been trying to show more of the victims than his face being everywhere that's good yeah okay so tonight i am going to be talking about harbingers of death so i started talking about this in episode one when i was talking about the ghost cat yeah in the old manor house in oxenby and i still haven't found out what his name was (laughs) also in that episode i talked about the austin dam collapse of 1911 where in the year leading up to the break, there were numerous reports of a very tall man dressed in black, mysteriously appearing and disappearing in the rail, railroad yard. Yeah. Uh, and again, I won't go into the details of that. Just another, that was another example of a harbinger. 
And I also won't get into banshees. So I was looking at the the banshees from Celtic folklore, which are probably the most famous, infamous harbingers of death. But there's so much to those those stories of them that I figured that was more of an episode in and of itself. But other than the banshee, when I think about harbingers, the next one that comes to mind is the Mothman of West Virginia. It all started back on November 12th of 1966 when a group of men were digging a grave. <laughs> I'll come back to that. It's just that that hit me as kind of odd, but <laughs> you think? Yeah. Well, you know, I, I th- it hit me as odd, but it's because there are grave diggers out there, right? I mean, people yeah. obviously have to dig these graves. We just don't think about them. They're just kind of there, right? But then to have it called out that these grave diggers in Clendenin, West Virginia, said they saw a large man-like figure soar over them. Like I said, I'll come back to that in a minute. Yeah. Three days later, on November 15th, two young couples from Point Pleasant, Roger and Linda Scarberry and Steve and Mary Millette, I believe, were out driving and reported seeing a large gray creature whose eyes glowed red when their car's headlights hit them. Why is it always red? Uh, Yeah, because it's creepy. They described it as a large flying man with 10-foot wings, so about a 20-foot wingspan. Pretty big. The gravediggers are believed to be the first sighting, at least the first one that I came across, but the couple story was the first published sighting in the Point Pleasant Register on November 16, 1966, and was subsequently picked up by the national media. So I think they, they get the most attention as far as being kind of the first sighting. Yeah. But yeah, going back to the gravedigger sighting. So like I said, I'm kind of curious when I read it because you don't hear much about gravediggers, even mm-hmm. though that is a job. But then I read another, another story about the incident, which had a little more detail, which said one of the gravediggers, Kenneth Duncan, said he and some other men were digging his brother-in-law's grave. So. Now, not only, <laughs> not only are you a gravedigger, but you're digging the grave for a family member so are you actually employed as a grave digger or are you just out burying somebody yeah. in your family? So uh, I'm going to take it as that was um, hiding a body or something. <laughs> well, yeah, maybe. I, <laughs> yeah, that was kind of suspicious, but there was only one article, so I can't put much credence to the story. Yeah. I tried to get multiple sources, but I only ran across that one story with that particular detail, but I just wanted to mention because it, it was kind of weird. <laughs> So anyway, the so the article came out, a number of people came forward after that and were reporting to report sightings, all describing a similar large bird-like creature with red eyes. There were two volunteer firemen who reported seeing it and described it as a large bird with red eyes. I feel like I'm repeating myself. <laughs> Everybody's saying the same thing, so why am I repeating it? Sorry. Because it was a large bird with red eyes. Yeah. <laughs> A man by the name of Newell Partridge claimed that the eyes glowed like bicycle reflectors when he shone his flashlight on it. It's an interesting comparison. Yeah, he he really worked on that analogy. Well, at least it was different than glowing red eyes. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And he blamed the creature for the buzzing noises coming from his TV and the disappearance of his German shepherd. Oh. Yes. Bandit. Yeah. (laughs) 
That's his name. I did look it up. I knew you would. Well, I thought you would ask. You didn't. So I'm going to tell you anyway, because I, <laughs> I looked it up. I was hesitating. <laughs> I didn't want to interrupt. Bandit. That's such a cute name. Yeah. Poor Bandit. Poor Bandit. That was the only case I had read about somebody claiming that the, the creature had actually harmed anything. Well, maybe it didn't harm Bandit. Maybe it... Oh, I was I was like, Mothman's got to eat. <laughs> no. <laughs> but why, no. One, why one case, though? Maybe Bandit just ran away. He's living... Well, not now, but... <laughs> <laughs> no. He lived his life out at some foster home. Foster home. <laughs> <laughs> oh, where was I? Oh, the sightings of the creature continued over the next year until December 15th, 1967. So the Silver Bridge spanned the Ohio River, connecting Point Pleasant, West Virginia, with what is now Gallipolis, Ohio. I think I got that name right. <laughs> On December 15th, the bridge collapsed during rush hour traffic, killing 46 people, two of which were never found. Sad story. Yeah. The bridge collapse gave rise to the legend of the Mothman being a harbinger or an omen, because he wasn't seen after, after the bridge collapse. Yeah. From what I can tell, Gray Barker was the first to write about the Mothman in his 1970 book, The Silver Bridge. But I don't know if his book was the start of the legend connecting the sightings with the bridge collapse or he was just documenting it. I'm not too sure about that. Then there was a more famous 1975 book, sorry, Gray, by John A. Keel, The Mothman Prophecies. That's, I think, probably the one that most everyone knows. I did read Keel's book. The Mothman prophecies, but it was really, really bizarre to me because I had always known the story as I had just told it that yeah. you know it was the the Mothman had appeared several times before the bridge collapse, but the book gets into all these strange stories about the Mothman being connected to UFO sightings, alien encounters, Men in Black, and I really didn't get how it was all being tied together. That's so, interesting. Yeah, it's really bizarre, and I think. I'm not sure, but I think the Silver Bridge kind of has the same type of theme to it. So I didn't bother because I actually wanted to read the Silver Bridge before I read Keel's book. But then after the Mothman prophecies, I said, I can't. This is just too bizarre. I don't get what the connections are and everything. Just confusing. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I'm just going to remember the Mothman as, as what I know it. Yeah. So, so I read different stories about where the name Mothman was coined, but the earliest mention seemed to be in a November 17th, 1966 headline from the Herald Dispatch in Huntington, West Virginia, which read, Bird, Plane, or Batman, question mark, Mason Countyans <laughs> Hunt, Mothman. What are you laughing about? <laughs> Batman is just random. What? Bird, Plane, Batman? I don't know. <laughs> How could it be Batman? Batman doesn't fly. <laughs> <laughs> but he's a bat. <laughs> anyway, we won't get into why they they did the headline. But well, is it supposed same? to be like they're calling him like like he's a bat or like associating him with Batman? No, they're, they're calling him he's like a Batman because he has wings and he flies. Okay, well, let's not get into Batman. Let's, <laughs> let's not wander from the conversation. There is an annual Mothman Festival in Point Pleasant which is, quote, a gathering commemorating the visit of the mysterious entity known only as the Mothman, unquote. What happens at this festival? They celebrate. <laughs> it's a gathering commemorating the visit of mysterious <laughs> entity known only as Mothman. Well, do they just gather around? like? Well, I'm sure they have parties. 
Do they like um, you know have a zip line where you can like glide fly over? Fly like Mothman. You, yeah. yeah, they have statues. You know, figures of Mothman. You can take your picture by. They have the Mothman Museum. It's all kind of odd to me because this all revolves around a bridge that collapsed and killed forty six people. Yeah. And then there's this festival about the Mothman who, I don't know, I, I won't get into that. It's just weird, weird, weird. Well, I mean, it's kind of like with the Salem trials, yeah. it being all witchy. and Yeah, it's it, kind of like serial killers and their victims. It's like who's being sensationalized here? Yeah. Who's getting all the attention? Yeah. So anyway, if you wanted to go, it is held on the third weekend of September. This year would be the 18th and 19th. And I believe the festival is actually on, or at least as of now, it's actually on for this year. So, hmm. Where is it again? Point Pleasant, West Virginia. There are memorials to the bridge collapse. Uh, I know there is one on the Ohio side. I don't know if there's also one. I imagine there's one on the West Virginia side. So they're not, not, they're not totally ignoring the, the victims. So I, I had always thought that that was the only Mothman, but apparently Mothman-like creatures are a recurring harbinger which I, I didn't know that. Just in that area or all over? No, all over, all over the world. Oh, oh. So uh, there, are, there are a number I read about, but I'll just, I'll just bring up one, which was the, the Blackbird of Chernobyl. So I won't get into the, the whole Chernobyl disaster. I'm assuming that we all know what happened. But the explosion at the plant occurred on April 26, 1986. Earlier that month, a series of sightings occurred of a large headless man with gigantic wings. So very similar to the Mothman. Yeah. They described the same piercing red eyes. And then during the disaster, well, so some of the workers who survived the initial blast and the firefighters who worked to fight the blaze afterwards, before dying of the radiation, reported that while battling the blaze, they saw a large blackbird-like creature with about a 20-foot wingspan gliding through the plumes of smoke. That's creepy. Yeah. Uh, after that, there were no further sightings of the creature. Uh, hmm. The next one, change subjects here, is doppelgangers. Another interesting harbinger. Creepy. <laughs> yeah. Well, so I never thought doppelgangers were creepy, but the most common belief of doppelgangers is there's somebody out in the world that looks just like you. Yes. That's your doppelganger, right? But they're much more sinister than that. There are actually a lot of different stories about them. Um, I'll talk about a few that stood out to me. Little uh, vocabulary lesson here, I guess. So doppelganger in German means double walker. So that makes it kind sense. of implies that. Yeah. You know, I mean, just you have a double out there, right? Which which is kind of the case, but you know, it's not just somebody who looks just like you. It's like I said, it's a little more sinister than that. One belief is if you see see your doppelganger. Or if somebody else sees your doppelganger, it means that you might be very ill. Good to know. Yeah. So I thought that was kind of weird because remember your grandparents were telling <laughs> us about seeing the teller at their bank look just like me. Yes. And I never saw him, thankfully, because of what I'll talk about next. But And I was, I would say, I don't know if the timelines connect, but I was sick at one time, very sick at one time. So I'm like, holy crap, they saw my <laughs> doppelganger. Yeah. Another belief is that if you see your doppelganger, it is an omen of your death. So I'm like, wow, I'm glad I don't go to that bank. <laughs> <laughs> Two things, if you don't mind. Yeah. I have heard before that if you were to see yourself walk past you on the street, that you would not recognize 
Yeah, I agree with that. Because actually, I, yeah, I had somebody in, uh, I think, middle school. Everybody said, look, just like we could be brothers and stuff. And I didn't see it. Yeah. I didn't get well, that's the other thing, too. It's it's really hard because I feel like different people, including yourself, have different perspectives of what you look like. Yeah. Yeah. Like, because I've had people be like, oh, yeah, you look so similar. I'm like, no. Yeah. Because you have a different perception of what you look like. Yeah. One story about the somebody who's seen their doppelganger was Abraham Lincoln. So this was five years before his assassination, which is kind of odd. So it was 1860. He saw it was his reflection in the mirror was kind of doubled. Hmm. So that was considered a doppelganger at that time. Like there's two images of, of himself in the mirror, but they were pretty close together, just kind of like out of focus. Kind of like a double vision. Yeah, double vision or watching a 3D movie without the glasses. Yeah. But like I said, that was five years before his assassination. So I don't know what the statute of limitations is on seeing your doppelganger. Yeah. One article I was reading was talking about doppelgangers in mirrors where the image acts independently of you. I'm trying to think of how to describe that, but I think that's the best. So you're looking at yourself, but it, it's not like... It's not mirroring you. Yeah, you know, like, isn't it like in the Scooby-Doo shows where he's waving his hand in the mirror and his image is, is doing <laughs> different, you know, isn't waving or whatever? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know why Scooby-Doo. <laughs> I feel like we always bring up Scooby-Doo. I, I think about those cartoons where they go past the mirror and there's the monsters on the other side yeah. and it's it's mimicking them and all of a sudden it does something not right. And yeah. they're like, oh, uh, yeah, <laughs> we love Scooby-Doo. Sue us. <laughs> Sue us. <laughs> oh, crap, or sponsor us. <laughs> yeah. yeah, even better. <laughs> but I was like, oh my God, that, that's what happened when I was doing the Bloody Mary thing when we were talking about when you stare in the mirror and you start to see the the weird effects and stuff. Yeah. That like the first time I did that, it was like the mirror image of me became, I, I, well, I swear I was doing, it was blinking when I wasn't blinking. I, I mentioned that in that episode. Yeah. But it was also like, it was unreal to me. Like I, I felt detached from the image in the mirror, if that makes sense. Just really weird. I mean, it's just probably just a que- creepy, creepy, creepy effect. <laughs> <laughs> a creepy effect. <laughs> But so, you know, I thought, okay, well, yeah, maybe, maybe it was my doppelganger, but that was a while ago. But then the Lincoln thing took five years. So I'm like, oh crap, <laughs> I saw my doppelganger. Now I have to worry for the next, uh, again, I don't know what the statute of limitations is. Now my question, I don't know if I brought this up before. Maybe I was just thinking about it, but have you not, aside from that incident, have you not stared too long in the mirror and then it just like doesn't feel like it's you? Or you like freak out? No, I don't. I'm not conceited, I promise. Well, <laughs> well I was thinking, well, may- yeah, first I was wondering, but then, well, maybe when you're doing your makeup and stuff like that. Yeah. You know, I don't, yeah, I don't look in the mirror too long, so. Well, I guess another example, maybe, I don't know if it'd be considered the same thing, but like when you stare at someone for too long, it like freaks, does it not freak you out? Because then I- they just like don't look like how, well, okay, I'm... Well, you're you're more observant than I am. But to be fair, when I'm talking to people, I don't look them directly in the face. I rarely look them directly in the face. So I feel like I don't really look at people's faces that often if I'm communicating with them. Yeah, I'm probably the same way. I don't yeah, I don't sit there and like stare at people. Yeah. (laughs) That's not creepy, right? Normal people call it eye contact. (laughs) (laughs) I call it creepy. Yeah. 
But anyways, go ahead. Sorry. Okay. Well, I don't, yeah, I never had that. So I guess kind of like how you described it, you kind of feel like detached. Like it just doesn't feel like you or it doesn't feel like. Well, wait, you're staring at somebody and you don't feel like you? No, if like if I were looking in the mirror or like okay. if I'm looking at someone else, it just doesn't. They like begin to look like a stranger to you, if that makes sense. I don't know. I don't know how to explain it. Maybe I'm just uh, crazy. Well, we won't go there. But <laughs> I don't know. Is it an invasion of the body snatcher thing? Like you think they're not the actual person? Maybe I'm onto <laughs> something. <laughs> we're okay. We're wandering again. Sorry. <laughs> uh, where was it? Oh, the, the other belief was that doppelgangers... Well, it's all bad omen, right? Either somebody sees and you're sick or you see them and you die. But there is one where it's a bad omen, but doesn't mean that you're going to die. It is believed that they are actually your evil twin. So if there's somebody out in the world that looks just like you, which one of you is the evil twin? Yeah, how do you <laughs> how do you figure that out? Isn't the evil one supposed to like say, oh, I'm the good one? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Well, haven't you seen that in shows before where there's like two of them, like in uh, Vampire Diaries, Elena and uh, Catherine. Catherine's constantly like, I'm (laughs) Elena. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, that's the thing, right? (laughs) Maybe that's what you're seeing when you're you're talking to people and they don't seem like them. They're they're doppelganger. That's spooky. I'm seeing a lot of doppelgangers. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, so the doppelganger, the evil twin, might plant bad ideas in your head or give you bad advice. So I don't know if it's like the little demon on your devil on your shoulder or something. Yeah. I don't know. But my doppelganger told me to start a podcast. So <laughs> I don't know. Bad advice. I don't know. We'll see. Yeah. <laughs> uh, when I was looking at uh, doppelgangers, I did see something about black eyed kids, but I didn't read it because I know you had mentioned that you were going to do a story on them. Yes. So I, I'm... I'm those are spooky. Well, I was going to say I'm dying to, no. to hear about it, but no, <laughs> no, 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 I'm, not, no, no, no. I'm interested in hearing about the yes. story, but I'm not dying to hear about it. <laughs> yeah, th- that's a creepy one. But that was it. Just a couple. Did I miss something? You you look confused. No, I was just going to mention how I always uh, thought Mothman was like kind of like Goatman's bridge. Nuh-uh. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> no. I know that now. <laughs> I learned. So you, you can learn something from our podcast. It's a little yeah. bit educational. Well, I was trying to think. No. So, yeah. So the, the goat man was somebody who died and is haunting the bridge. Yeah. And hot, Mothman is the harbinger. Is so. goat man that someone died? I thought it was the devil. Well, it's the actual goat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It was somebody. I know we just saw that. <laughs> but, yeah, but yeah, I'm trying to I'm trying to remember what the story I thought was. it was just a devil. Oh, yeah. It's, it's some like some, devil something that wasn't something like... like and and it wasn't on Earth and like a demon or something. All right, we're gonna have to rewatch that because I don't remember. What Maybe the we'll just do a was. story on it. I got freaked out about the whole knocking on the bridge and then him appearing, and then when we did the donkey lady, it all got blurry in my mind about what happens if you go on the bridge, knock three times, and yell out "donkey lady." If you go to the Goatman Bridge <laughs> <laughs> and. And just call out for the donkey lady, or if you go to the donkey lady's bridge and knock three times. <laughs> I don't know. Do they know each other? There has to be a club. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, they're all haunting bridges. What do they have? Uh, what about the dog? The dog? The dog lady? The. <laughs> <laughs> Why are they all animals? They have an annual um, festival. Yeah, and they like. Tell each other how to spook people more. Yeah, okay. okay. Like, okay now yeah. we're really going off on <laughs> <laughs> I did this and this guy screamed. 
Guy crapped his pants. <laughs> I was gonna say that, but it's being a little nicer. <laughs> You're gonna say that, but. <laughs> okay, so <laughs> leave this episode spiraling out of control. That's all I had. Unless you have anything else to. No. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so we'll leave it at that. Thank you once again for joining us. <laughs> That was your cue, <laughs> if you don't remember. Make sure to visit next week for more weird and creepy stories. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at 12past3 or email us at podcast at 12past3.com. Good night. Good night. No, I think when I laughed, my voice made a weird gargling noise. Oh.